0: This is Old School. I'm Emily and that's Lauren. This is our 13th episode. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so you may have noticed that we now have a couple of promos going that happen before the start of our episodes. And those are podcasts that we've chosen to promote because we like their shows and think you might like them as well. And in turn, they are they are playing our promo before their shows. So I think the one that's running right now is a funny show called Facts Schmacks. You might want to check them out if you're in the mood for a new podcast. And also, if you follow us on Instagram, you may have seen our big announcement. we won an award. Uh, Old School won an award. We won a a sponsorship. We're one of several podcasts to win a sponsorship from Racket, a company called Racket. It's it's an app. You'll hear an ad from us. But there were over 3,000 entries and 250 some odd winners. So it's not like we were like, you know, one... One out of three thousand, but we were one of a few out of three thousand, which is pretty good. I mean, three thousand is a lot, and uh, only two hundred fifty winners, and that's we're one of them. So pretty exciting. How do you feel about that, Lauren? How do you feel about co-host of an award-winning podcast? I can't, I can't even believe I'm on a podcast, let alone <laughs> you haven't voice. gotten past that. Past no. that, uh...
1: <laughs> I haven't wrapped my mind around that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, uh, it's great. It's exciting.
0: Yeah. So we're covering March seventh to the thirty-first. So for March 7th, do you want me to start? It's, it's kind of late. 1981. Yeah. March 7th, 1981 was the first and to date only homicide at Disneyland. I, I've never heard of this. Like, I go to Daniel and I, we're big dorky pass holders for a while. and we, You know, we thought we knew our Disney trivia. This information isn't even that readily available. I found a, a source on a blog called groovyhistory.com.
1: I was more surprised to hear that there was only one. Yeah. <laughs> <There's>,
0: <laughs> I was like, what? That's the most New Jersey thing you've ever said.
1: <laughs> I was like, how can this be possible that there's only one murder?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of deaths, like fucked but up deaths, but not outright murder, you know, yeah. like, whatever. Good for them. <laughs> 18-year-old Mel Yorba was the victim, and it w- he was stabbed to death outside near the Matterhorn. Now, you don't have a Matterhorn at your... Is there a Matterhorn at um, Walt Disney World? It's my favorite know. roller coaster matterhorns the one that's like a alpine like it's got swiss themed and you ride around on bobsleds and there's a yeti up there that like growls at you <laughs> wait jake is there he said yes there is one in florida okay i don't think it's at the magic kingdom though which is where the only one i went to over there i think it's somewhere else maybe some other I don't park. know. but so it's the matterhorn it is at disneyland and that it happened like right outside of it so this. Kid, 18 year old kid, Mel Yorba and his friends were apparently drunk at Disneyland. Um, some sources say that there was a private party going on in the park and that there was an open bar and that's why they were all bombed. Cause you can't buy booze at Disneyland. You'd have to either smuggle it in or there, or there was some private party. So Yorba was accused of pinching the butt of a young woman and her boyfriend, his name was James O'Driscoll demanded an apology, uh, Yorba punched him he was like, no, and punched him. And O'Driscoll stabbed Yorba during the fight. Like, a, you know, once, once Yorba threw his punch, they were then, it was a, a full on fight. So O'Driscoll, once he realizes what's happened and that he's seriously injured uh, Mel Yorba, he throws the knife in the moat of, of Sleeping Beauty's castle takes off his bloody shirt and throws it in a garbage can in a ladies restroom and then goes in like hides in the bushes he doesn't leave the park but he goes in like hides meanwhile mel yorba is bleeding to death as disneyland nurses tend to his wounds um and at the time i think this is so weird like seems like such a bad idea disneyland did not allow police or ambulances to enter, enter the park that was their policy it was not allowed that like shattered the image they were going for they did not want like ambulances I mean, to access the I park mean, i insane. Guess, like- that's like across the board for any kind of injury or anything. Like, yeah, bizarre. Seriously, that's yeah. I mean, they have their own like paramedics, quote unquote. But like, they their their response to this was pretty bad. They yeah. have cops dressed up like Mickey yeah. going to the crime scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Um, an unmarked Disney van, you know, had to make its way through the crowds in the kerfuffle, and finally got to Mel Yorba, who's bleeding out on the on the ground. They get him into the van and they get him again, have to make their way out of the park because it's Disneyland, and then they get him to the hospital and he, he dies at the at the hospital. So it took like a full twenty minutes, apparently, for this this poor kid to get transported to the hospital. So and they did catch O'Driscoll. He the police weren't allowed in the park to chase him, but they were allowed to wait at the exits. And so when the stabber came to the exits to turn himself in they, he was arrested the family of Meliorba sued Disney for 60 million dollars and i feel like disney's gotten better about this they were like outspokenly defensive and they were like we're going to court you know they were really like public jer- publicly jerks about it and they said they refused to settle and they, they wanted a jury to to hear it and the jury only awarded the family like 600,000. dollars So like they wanted they wanted like 60 million cuz they wanted disney to like hurt and you know, admit that they were wrong and everything, but they only got like six hundred thousand. And James O'Driscoll was found guilty of second-degree murder. He was sentenced to sixteen years to life in prison. One source I read said that he only served eighteen years in eight. I'm sorry, eight years in prison, but I don't know if that's true. Mm. I, I, again, this is weird. You know, Disney's very um, powerful, and I have a feeling sometimes when you're you you hear about something that involved Disney years ago and you can't really find it anywhere. Like you can't you can't find a lot of like. Wow coverage of it and i think that they might you know maybe have it buried you know they have very i don't know their legal team or whatever their it team gets it buried somehow i don't know so anyway that was the first and to date only homicide at disneyland uh 18 year old mill yorba stabbed to death by james odriscoll jeez so for march 8th did you have anything no march 8th i only i think i have is fargo premieres 1996 stars francis mcdormand and william h macy and Steve Buscemi, nominated for seven Oscars, won two best actress for McDorman and best original screenplay for Joel and Ethan Cohen. Fucking love Fargo. Like it's great. such a good movie.
1: Yep. It's great. And yeah, so it still good. holds up. And she's awesome. I'll she's watch
0: incredible. It. Yeah. She's so, so good in that. I know. I know. So great. So like the character is so fascinatingly, like she's a she's a sheriff, but she's so sweet and innocent kind of and naive yeah, but, but, and but, but smart and, yeah, but smart, but not yeah. a dumbass. It's like a very interesting combination. And very pregnant. There's a whole st- <laughs> That's so funny. I just think I'm going to buy her. Yeah, her and her cute little husband in the bed. Oh, I know, I know. with the stamps. He I does know. the He's like three cents. She's like, "What are you talking about? That's great." You know, like they're so cute. She's yeah. a great character, great character. And then even at the end, do you remember when she's she uh, spoiler alert. I mean, it's a movie from the 90s, so get on it. But he, she's driving the guy. She arrests him. She's driving him back, and like she's just kind of doesn't understand why he would do this. And she's like, she's just so like sweet about the whole thing. I just mm-hmm. love her. So glad she won for that.
1: The whole uh, crime in itself was such a dis- disaster. <laughs> yeah. So. that was William a great H Macy
0: movie. was so good too. Oh God. See so Buscemi? Awkward. I got chewed out in the fucking face. <laughs> do you remember that? <laughs> oh, he's so, so gross with his turtle or his dicky, whatever. he Yeah, put on the turtle. <laughs> it's so gross.
1: It disgusting.
0: Uh, <laughs> 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 it's such a great movie, like an instant classic. Instant classic. Uh huh. Um, did you watch the series at all? No, my parents loved it. And I should so watch it. It's so good, Lauren. You should watch it. It's, I was so skeptical. I was like, what? No series or movie is ever any good, but it was, it's really good. Yeah, my parents loved it. And it was like a few seasons, right? Yeah, we did not watch the last one, the most recent one, just because it kind of got, a, like, I think it was critically panned and we just haven't gotten around to it. But the first three, I think it's three seasons, are excellent. And one's like a flashback to the 70s. So that's really fun. Hmm. It's great. I mean, I, I was so skeptical, but it has the all the vibes of the movie and it's not ripping it off and it's not trying too hard. It's just, they just did a really good job. I recommend it. I was just going to go straight into, for March 9th, I was just going to go to 1997, which is the murder of Biggie. Well is that okay? That's a, that's a big one. So. That's a bit. That's a biggie. Um, <laughs> tackle it, girlfriend. You're you're our rap murder extraordinaire over here. I think because I didn't, even though I was a teenager at this time, I think I didn't know that much about these murders. So I think that's why I I dove in. But March 9th, 1997. I'm going to call him Biggie. It's Notorious B.I.G. is the other, you know, is his other, his official name or whatever. He was shot dead in a drive-by in Los Angeles. He was in L.A. to promote his new album, Life After Death. He recently hired more security because of Tupac's murder and because of all this escalating bullshit about East Coast, West Coast hip-hop. And on March 7th, Biggie presented an award to Tony Braxton at the Soul Train Awards in Los Angeles. The following night, March 8th, he attended an after party for, this, for those awards with his entourage at the Peterson Automotive Museum, which is like this cool museum in, um, in LA, not far from like Beverly Hills, West Hollywood. So this after party was hosted by Vibe Magazine and Quest Records, and it was a star-studded event, but also in attendance were members of both the Bloods and the Crips gangs. So not, not good. At 1230 AM, that night, so that's technically March 9th. Biggie and his entourage left the party in two Suburbans, and they were headed to the Hollywood Hills to attend another after-party. Biggie was sitting in the front passenger seat of one of the Suburbans uh, at a traffic light at Wilshire and Fairfax Avenue. A black Impala pulls up alongside Biggie's Suburban, lowers the window, and fires into the car. Four bullets hit Biggie. Uh, he was rushed to Cedar Sinai. He died during an operation to, in, that was an attempt to save his life. He was only 24 years old. I didn't know he was that young. He looked so much older. I guess because he was heavy, he looked mm-hmm. so much older to me. So, what? Here's what we know. We know the shooter's car, black Chevy Impala. Uh, we know that that it was the driver that shot, and we know that it was a black male. We know that he used a nine millimeter nine millimeter blue steel pistol. They saw enough that. They saw enough of his face that a composite was made was they were able to draw a composite so there there are uh oh immediately following the news of biggie's death speculation was made that the murder was somehow linked to tupac's which was also drive by while in traffic and it was just six months earlier so it's almost it's very similar setup the two prevailing theories about who killed biggie both theories impugn suge knight who is one of the co-founders of death row records uh he is shady Suge Knight's a shady guy, okay? He's currently doing time for murder. I, he's linked to all kinds of violent crimes. He famously like hung uh, vanilla ice upside down by his ankles outside a hotel room in Miami. I mean- well, who wouldn't? <laughs> I mean, you can't really blame him for that one, but <laughs> but yeah, he's just like a don't cross him kind of guy. And basically he just lost his temper. This The one that he's in jail for now, he ran him over. He ran the guy, he literally got in his car and accelerated into the, on, on camera. Like he just lost his shit. So he was so he was convicted of manslaughter in 2015 he's serving 28 years in prison. Remember that um just to flash back from our I think it was our second episode when we covered Tupac's murder, Knight was driving Tupac's car at the time and he was actually injured. So one of the bullets that like hit Tupac, I don't know what this is called like a ricochet injury, like it bounced off of Tupac and and hit Chug Knight, My, minor injuries. He he was, you know, wasn't seriously wounded or anything. So I have a quote from Wikipedia. In a 2002 book by Randall Sullivan called Labyrinth, information was compiled about the murders of Wallace and Shakur, so Christopher Wallace is um, Biggie's real name, based on information provided by retired LAPD detective Russell Poole. In the book, Sullivan accused Shug Knight, co-founder of Death Row Records and known Blood's affiliate of conspiring with corrupt LAPD officer David Mack to kill Biggie and make both deaths appear to be the result of the rap rivalry between the two men. The book stated that one of Mac's alleged associates, Amir Muhammad, was the hitman who killed Biggie. The theory was based on evidence provided by an informant named Psycho Mike and the general resemblance of Muhammad to the facial com- composite generated during the investigation. So that's one theory. And that theory was what the documentary Biggie and Tupac is based on. So they took that theory and fleshed that book and fleshed it out and made that documentary we talked about that when we covered tupac's murder the issues with this theory include the unreliability of the informant so psycho mike was apparently schizophrenic so he wasn't really that reliable as far as like the evidence the information he was giving there's lack of com- concrete evidence of course and then weak motive so what would suge knight's motive be that i guess the book um basically says that suge knight wanted to draw suspicion away from himself for tupac's murder but i mean he was with him. He, and he was injured. Uh, he could have died, I mean, theoretically. That seems weird to me. The second theory that impugns, also impugns Suge Knight makes more sense to me. So I have this quote. The criminal investigation into Biggie's murder was reopened in July 2006 to look for new evidence to help the city defend the civil lawsuits brought by Biggie's family. Um, so they were getting sued by Biggie's family, and they needed more evidence. Retired LAPD detective Greg Kading who worked for three years on a gang task force that included Biggie's murder case, uh, alleged that Biggie was shot by Wardell Pucci Faust, a mob Peru, Peru, I don't know how to say that, mob Peru gang member and associate of Suge Knight. Kading believes Knight hired Pucci to kill Biggie to avenge the death of Shakur, who Kading alleges was killed under the orders of Sean Combs. So that's Puffy, right? Hmm. Combs was traveling in the other suburban the night of the shooting, of Biggie shooting. So he was in the other suburban. Pucci was shot and killed in 2003. That motive for Knight wanting Biggie dead makes more sense, but why would Combs kill Tupac? Just the East Coast, West Coast thing again? I don't know. The whole thing seems so convoluted and like a stretch either way.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: Um, so either way, the two major popular theories about who killed Biggie impugned Suge Knight. So it's just speculation. I, we don't know. So It's crazy. Yeah. It just seems so stupid and wasteful, right? Yep. I mean if it is really this rap rivalry like that is so silly it's a waste 24 years old i mean baby the hell ridiculous so anyway that's that's biggie's murder and then i have from march 11th i have something from 1918. <clears throat> march 11 1918 was the first documented case of the quote spanish influenza so that's a misnomer actually but and i'll explain why but Um, The pandemic killed somewhere between 17 to 50 million and possibly as as many as 100 million people. In the U.S., it killed between 500,000 and 850,000 people. 390,000 people were killed in Japan, 250,000 in Britain, 50,000 in Canada, and 12 to 17 million people died of the pandemic in India. That's about 5% of India's population at the time, which is just insane to me. Uh, the outbreak started near the end of World War One, and info about the disease was suppressed in many countries in the interest of avoiding bad morale. I mean, the people just wrapped up this abysmal world war, and they just, I guess, the countries didn't want to cover um, what could be, you know, a rising uh, pandemic concerns. However, neutral Spain did cover the outbreak openly and that gave the false impression that, disease, that the disease started in Spain, hence the name Spanish flu. It, we actually don't know the exact origin of the, of, the, of the Spanish flu or the 1918 flu, whatever you want to call it. So this pandemic was an H1N1 virus and had an unusually high mortality rate among young adults. That's one of the weirdest things about it is most flus kill you know, the very old and the very young. This one actually had a pretty high mortality rate among like just young adults. Conditions such as malnourishment, poor hygiene, and overcrowded hospitals helped the disease flourish. And they were, exas- obviously that, those conditions are exasperated by war. Soldiers traveling home from the war helped spread the disease. And there were four waves of the pandemic, uh, one in early 1918, one in late 1918, one in 1919, and one in 1920. As with our pandemic, our current pandemic, each wave brought slightly different, sometimes more severe symptoms, with the second wave being the deadliest. Um, most people died due to bacterial pneumonia caused by the virus. And yes, there were anti-maskers in, during the 1918 flu, um, most notably the San Francisco Anti-Mask League, which was created to protest the city's ordinance requiring masks to be worn in public places. So some things don't change, I guess.
1: <laughs> Tell me
0: what to do with my body. <laughs> if I want to get the flu, I want to get the flu. Damn it. So yeah, anyway. I always find the 1918 flu so creepy, like it just killed so many people. and
1: Yeah. And then it just disappeared.
0: Yeah. And then we didn't talk about it for a hundred years until, <laughs> we, <laughs> until we got our own. <laughs> uh, uh, oh, March 11th, 1989, I have Cops debuts. My mom <laughs> loved that show.
1: <laughs> I don't think I ever like fully watched an episode of Cops. It was always just so trashy. It's so trashy. And it's just so like- trashy.
0: I remember I, watching it with my friends at my friend Caroline's house. We'd watch it like when I was going to sleep over after school. It was on like Fridays at like five and we'd watch it. It was, I mean, I, I loved it as a kid, but.
1: It would, it would make me nauseous with like the camera.
0: Yes. And the running, running and everything. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I don't, I never got into that show. Yeah.
0: But that's hilarious.
1: Your mom like, Yeah. It. It's like
0: bizarre. I, we used to joke that it was like her window into the great unwashed. Cause she's like so <laughs> like such a, she was such like a prissy person and like she's watching cops. It's so weird. So then I have March 11th, 2011, the massive earthquake strikes Japan, triggering a tsunami that that causes a nuclear disaster at Fukushima Daiichi nuclear plant.
1: Give me more nightmares about tsunamis.
0: Yeah, sorry. Uh, 9.1 earthquake hit at 2.46 PM, 43 miles off of Japan's northeastern coast. This is the largest, or I didn't know this, I thought this was interesting, the largest earthquake in, ju- in recorded history for Japan and the fourth largest in recorded history, period. And it lasted for six minutes. Ugh. I mean, that's a really long time for an earthquake. Like trust trust a Southern California girl. I know, that right? You would know. Six minutes. I can't even imagine. So less than an hour later, a tsunami hit Japan's coastline. It produced wave, waves as high as 133 feet, and snow and freezing temperatures hindered rescue efforts. Initially, a seawall prevented damage to the nuclear plant, but at 3:35 p.m., a wave measuring over 50 feet high breached the seawall, flooding the power plant and killing its power. So I don't I don't know much about like nuclear how nuclear power plants operate. But you don't
1: you don't. An I dropped out me? of
0: what is that nuclear engineering school or whatever engineering school. <laughs> but apparently, this is bad. That losing power is bad because the power is needed to pump cooling water to the reactor core. So this is what Rick, how Wikipedia explained it. They said, the resultant loss of reactor core cooling led to three nuclear meltdowns, three hydrogen explosions, and the release of radioactive contamination in units one, two, and three between March 12th and March 15th. So I think that's like what the meltdown is. Like it's getting too hot. It becomes unstable if it's getting too hot. So the international, this is not comforting at all. The International Atomic Energy Agency rates the disaster at seven. That's the highest possible rating on their scale. Yikes. (laughs) However, uh, so far, there has not been any reported increases in stillbirths, miscarriages, or birth defect. And this is likely due to the swift and wide evacuation plan that was initiated by the government in response to the disaster. So they just got people out of there as fast as they could. On July 5th, 2012, the National Diet of Japan Fukushima Nuclear Accident Independent Investigation Commission found that the causes of the accident had been foreseeable and that the plant operator Tokyo Electric Power Company had failed to meet basic safety requirements such as risk assessment, preparing for containing collateral and containing collateral damage and developing evacuation plans. So as with most disasters, there was some safety violations that contributed. So I just wanted to mention that I heard a really beautiful, have you ever heard, have you ever listened to This American Life? It's a podcast, uh, really good. It's like a ser- award-winning s- series, but they covered a story on it's called the wind phone and it's uh, an unconnected phone booth and it became a source of comfort and therapy for survivors and they used it to quote unquote call their loved ones whom they lost in the tragedy so the phone booth was set up in 2010 by a man named itaru sasaki and he was mourning the death of his cousin he wanted just like a way to just feel like he could still talk to his cousin and the he said in an interview, because my thoughts couldn't be relayed over a regular phone line, I wanted them to be carried on the wind. So that's where the term wind phone comes from. So after the tsunami, Sasaki opened the phone booth to the public and it's received 30,000 visitors a year. A lot of people didn't get to say goodbye to their loved ones. So this this is, this is little phone, it's so sweet that they'll go and they'll pick up the phone and they'll talk to their loved ones. But this this American Life episode on it is so good. I, I can't recommend it enough. But it's trigger warning because I bawl my eyes out because it's just so sweet. The, the 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 they let you hear some of the conversations like with oh, permission, geez. and it's so sweet. It's just, sometimes sometimes it's really heartfelt, but sometimes it's like the sweetest thing. Like I had your favorite. I, I went to your favorite restaurant last night, or me, you know like just little things oh, like God. Or, or just updated news like you know your son's doing really well in school, and it's just. It's really I mean, heartbreaking, but it's really
1: the good. the idea is really sweet. I mean, yeah. people have that outlet to do yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It sounds like it would make me ball my eyes out as well.
0: Yeah, it's re- it's really it's really sad. But and then I don't have anything until March fifteenth. It's jumped a few days. I
1: had for the twelfth uh, girl guides, Girl Scouts forms in Savannah in nineteen twelve.
0: Oh, the for- the Girl Scouts formed. Mm-hmm. What year was that? Nineteen twelve. So I was a brownie for about five minutes. Me too. Five minutes. I hated it. Yeah, um, I didn't like it either. Our, you know, it depends on the 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 chapter. Um, Mine sucked. We had like terrible leaders. It was lame.
1: My sister and I did it one time, and we we're like, no, thank you. Never send us back there ever again.
0: And I hated that stupid hat.
1: Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like anything. I didn't like that they made you wear something. I didn't like the whole like teamwork participation thing.
0: Like, like and it wasn't oh. fair. The boy, the Cub Scouts were doing cool shit like going camping, and they were um, having us make crafts.
1: Like, well, yeah, and then so they this. uh juliette gordon law um i I think she was like a socialite she was inspired by lord baden powell who was the founder of the boy scouts she joined the girl guide movement in england and then formed her own group in the u.s for the girl scout um she was the first ever leader and her goal was to teach girls to be self-sufficient you know (laughs) spinning wool uh livestock knitting reading maps well, that's important cooking first aid. So she was married to someone named William McKay low. They were unable to have children. They would host a lot of parties, including like the Prince of Wales and stuff. So they were, you know, Yikes. well off and well known, yeah. but she also was very into, um, I don't know, helping people. She was visiting like women in leper colonies and, you know, caring for the poor and joined, um, the local nursing association and stuff. So she was, um, always wanted to help. Oh, and she was sickly herself too. Like, uh, Accident prone as a child, always sick, um, was deaf in both ears due to like an untreated infection. So she had her own ailments.
0: Wow. But um,
1: the one quote that they, that I saw on Wikipedia was from, it was an excerpt from the Boy Scouts headquarters Gazette. And I just thought it was just so, I don't know, ridiculous. But the quote was, if a girl is not allowed to run or even hurry to swim, ride a bike, or raise her arms above her head. How can she become a scout? <laughs> well,
0: like, why? Why wouldn't she be able to do those things? I guess. I guess we had our limitations. Yeah, I know that. I knew several women. They were like my my mom's generation, like a little bit younger, and they told me crazy stories about like athletics, like pre Title IX, and <laughs> how that how like up until the 1960s, like it was actually believed that rigorous exercise would damage your uterus, that like oh your uterus God. would just like flop out of your body. <laughs> oh my gosh. So they had like, you know, they had that they had like a tough time like getting qualified to run long distance races and marathons and stuff because the, the running might jostle your uterus and damage it or something. We're like, such
1: fragile yeah, beings. Yeah, we're
0: not, what does that even mean? Uh,
1: I don't know. But yeah, so that was
0: that, was that on her. Wow, that's interesting. Well, I, I mean, I think they do great stuff. I just didn't like my chapter for Brownies That Sucked, but I'm sure there were a lot of good Me ones. Me neither. So I have for March 15th, 1972, the premiere of The Godfather.
1: Well, did you, Um, I, I read The Godfather book.
0: Oh, you did? Of course you did. And did I had Did you like it?
1: Yeah, it's a good read, but I, it's interesting because <clears throat> there's a lot of differences between the book and the movie. Well, the book is pretty much the, the first and second movie. Oh, okay and characters are more developed in the book than in the movies there's significant differences but uh it's a good it's a good book um but anyway you
0: can touch on the uh movie premiere and all that stuff would you say that it's an example of like the the movie is equally as good as the book
1: no i mean the movie i i would say like if, if someone said which would leave a lasting impression on you if you that you got to watch the movie some okay but yeah. the book is just, to so remember Johnny Fontaine in the, in the, in the movie? The, yes. Mm-hmm. This, the the singer. He's like a full fleshed out character. In right. The book. Like okay. He has a whole story.
0: They don't have time to do that in movie, you know, like. Yeah, no. And then
1: um, Sonny's mistress in the, in the movie is like a full on character in the, in the book. Like she's oh. got, um, and the book's not even like this like massive text either for it to have, to produce two epic films yeah it's not this like you know thousand page book either what else yeah there's like a ton more sex in the book even even a character of connie michael's sister she's more um leaning in the book it's just they're all there's a lot of differences but again i, I would prefer the movies over okay. the book anytime
0: so that's that jaws falls in that category too then remember when we talked about jaws you yes. liked it you said the book wasn't uh-huh. great
1: yeah, but I feel like the Jaws was kind of like like an outline for the movie. Like okay. Godfather, you know, they, they stuck with a lot of the stuff from the book. It wasn't totally changed. It just yeah. film stuff was kind of left out, I guess.
0: Yeah. So it was nominated for 11 Oscars, and it won for Best Picture, Best Actor, and Best Adapted Screenplay. And the film's original score had been—so th- much weird stuff around its Oscar. Okay. The film's original score had been nominated— but the nomination was revoked when it was determined that Nino Rota's love theme was too similar to the music he wrote for another film. Because it has to be like, a re- you can't reuse. I mean, that's so has that ever happened? I, that's so weird. I think that's so weird. They revoked his nomination. Okay, and then other weird things. So this is when Marlon Brando famously refused his Oscar for best actor. Um, sending a Native American rights activist, Sasheen Littlefeather, to read a speech that Brando had written about why he was boycotting the Oscars. And the reason was the unfair ri- and racist portrayal of Native Americans in Hollywood. And up until a few weeks ago was one of the more shocking things that ever happened. Yeah, and up until we <laughs> publicly live saw someone get punched on stage at the Oscars, that was the craziest shit that ever happened. Yeah, right. At the Oscars. But this, the, I thought this was weird. So Mar- Marlon Brando was only the second actor to refuse an Oscar. The first one was George C. Scott. In 1970, uh, George C. Scott won for Patton. and he didn't
1: accept an Oscar for Patton. Yeah,
0: isn't that weird? And I tried to find the reason because I was like, well, Marlon Brando had a pretty sweet-ass reason for, you know, like the way he refused it. I mean, at the time, she was booed and... Fucking John Wayne tried to like haul her oh, off the right, stage. Oh right, yeah.
1: But like, yeah, John Wayne was going to go after her. That's but I right. feel like
0: it. History's been con- You know, we look back on and see that as a pretty cool move by Marlon Brando. But George C. Scott, I was like, okay, what's his? What was his beef? And he just didn't like competition between actors. He just didn't feel like. Yeah, isn't that weird? Like, find a better reason. I don't know. That that seemed lame to me. And I love George C. Scott. He's my favorite Ebenezer Sc- Scrooge, and he's that he stars in my favorite scary movie. But I just think that's weird. He's just like, you know, just too, you know, it was above him or whatever, whatever, or beneath him to accept the award. We're all winners anyway. So then there was another thing weird. Al Pacino also boycotted the Oscars because he was insulted that he was nominated for best supporting actor, even though he had more screen time than Brando, who was nominated for best actor.
1: That's a valid argument. Yeah,
0: that's a valid argument. I don't think that that's what they use though, right? That's not what they use for to, to determine that. What, screen time? Yeah, I don't think that's best versus supporting is based on how many words you say or whatever. <laughs> like, right?
1: I don't know what it's based on, but I mean, I would say when you watch that movie, you would think he would be the lead actor in that movie.
0: Really? You would have put him as best best actor? And I would feel like
1: Marlon Brando was kind of like a, yeah, like a supporting part. Like they got this wow. like, big old-timey actor to be in this this film.
0: Yeah. But anyway, so I thought those were some weird, like, factoids about the awards for, for The Godfather. I haven't seen it all the way through in a really long time, and I, I don't remember much of it. I mean, I remember the biggies, but I don't remember a lot of it. I need to rewatch them.
1: Yeah, especially the first two. I mean, they're great, but...
0: Yeah. Okay, so March 16th, 1970, Tammy Terrell dies of a cancerous brain tumor at the age of 24. And I
1: didn't know she died of a brain tumor, and I
0: didn't know she was that young. I know. She was the. She famously fainted, on, like collapsed on stage into... Into Marvin Gaye's arms, and uh, while they were while they were performing one of their many duets, and he, and um, you know she had operations, and and obviously um, nothing nothing could save her. But she she was really cool. She's famous, so she's most famous for she had four duets with Marvin Gaye. Um, my favorite being Ain't No Mountain High Enough. That's the song she was singing when she collapsed. It was nineteen sixty 1960, October nineteen sixty seven. She collapsed on stage singing Ain't No Mountain High Enough. That's when she went into the hospital, and they. You know, figured out she had a cancerous brain tumor and she died three years later. Um, She had originally sung with James Brown's Review. And then she went to med school, which I think is really cool. But she was recruited by Barry Gordy to sing for Motown Records in 1965. So sad, very, very sad, very talented, very smart. Uh, She's from Philly, by the way, I'm pretty sure, Tammy Terrell. Hmm. And then I don't have anything until March 19th. Actually, that's not even – I don't even have anything until – because March 19th, I was just going to say, was the premiere – 1984 was the premiere of Kate and Alley. Did you ever watch that?
1: I used to love Kate and Alley.
0: It was a really cute show. I
1: love that show. Yeah. I definitely love that show.
0: And then you said you had something for March 20th.
1: Yeah. So March 20th, 2019, so recently, a woman named Joy Milne – I don't know if I'm saying her name correctly – she can smell Parkinson's disease and helps researchers identify molecules on the skin of people with the disease in Manchester, England.
0: So so she can smell it like in a petri dish or on them? So this
1: is the weird thing. So this woman, Joy, is married to this, was married to this man named Les, and they were high school sweethearts. There was an article on NPR in March 2020 where I got all this information. But so they were high school sweethearts. When they met, she was struck by his. Um, wonderful smell. He had a musky smell. She just thought he smelled so good. Fall in love, get married. He becomes a doctor. She becomes a nurse. They're married for like 10 years. Les at this point is 31 years old. And he came home one day, randomly comes home and she, he just smells different to her. And <sighs> he smells like, like a nasty, she described it as a nasty yeasty smell. And she kept making him take showers and she's just like, no, it's not coming off of you. it's, it's it was just like repulsive to her. And he was getting aggravated with her because he's just like, you know, I'm taking a shower. Like, there's nothing I can do about it. So she deals with this smell on her husband for like years, years. She has this distinct smell coming off of his body. Um, But then his personality and his characteristics start to change. And then one night she wakes up to him like choking her. He was (gasps) having a dream and he's like attacking her in her sleep. In his sleep. So he's like in his early 40s by then. They finally go get him um, examined. And they find out he has Parkinson's. They deal with his like uh, his disease for like 20 something years. You know, he's dealing with this disease and all the issues that go along with it. And then finally they're like at their wits end and they decide like, let's join a support group for park member like people who have Parkinson's and they were kind of late going to the group. And when they went in there, she was like punched in the face by the smell.
0: You guys all fucking stink. all the people in there. She was just wow, this
1: smell. And she said, And she said, some people were worse than others. (gasps) So she's kind of like keeping it to herself. And then they're driving home. And she finally tells her husband, and he's a doctor. And he like, totally like, was like, this is something amazing. They tell a Parkinson researcher at the university of Edinburgh guy's name was Tilo Kunath. And he uh, initially like blew her off. Like, yeah, that's, that sounds crazy. But then after like hearing about like how dogs can smell cancer and all that kind of stuff, he contacts her again created this experiment where he got these two groups, people with Parkinson's, people without, made them wear t-shirts, collected the t-shirts back, brought her in, had her smell them. And she was like completely accurate. Wow. He got one person wrong. And that dude that she got wrong ended up being diagnosed with Parkinson's <gasps> like five years later. God. So she could smell it like in advance, which wow. makes sense because she could spell it on her hus- smell it on her husband 10 years before he had any symptoms.
0: Oh my God. So. Fascinating.
1: They end up doing all this research. There's certain compounds that can contribute to the smell linked to Parkinson's. So there's nothing like definitive yet, but they, you know, published a paper. They're hoping to find a way to diagnose Parkinson's in advance time, you know, so, you know. Why then, is it that
0: she can smell it? And like, wh- I think wh- it's like
1: she has this heightened sense of smell. And I'm sure she's probably not the only person, but she's probably the only person that put two and two together, I guess. But they also said that she's able to kind of like she can she can s- identify tuberculosis, Alzheimer's, cancer, and diabetes. What? Yeah. So she's just got like this bizarre heightened sense. So there's they're hoping to find a way to diagnose Parkinson's from skin-based biomarkers to, you know, ultimately have early dete- detection. So could you imagine like finding out like 10 years before you have symptoms that you yeah. have you can get like treatments and stuff to like yeah. the onset. So I thought that was
0: crazy. That is so fascinating. I just had like a million questions. Like
1: that was only just like, and then, so that article was from like 2020. So I was looking to see if there was anything more recent and I didn't really see anything. I mean, I'm sure there's still like, it's relatively new, so I'm sure they're not like, yeah, it's brand new. I
0: mean, that's really, that's really new. But how did that, how was that not on the news? Like, I feel like that would have been like a crazy story to hear. Yeah. That's amazing. Like yeah. I have a million questions. Okay, f- for one thing, does she just go through life and never really it never really occurred to her that she has this crazy sense of smell? Like does the world just smell like vibrantly, you know, like good, yes, bad, sir. everything else? Like and then the other question is, doesn't it make you wonder how many people have it and don't have that that scenting ability and don't know it? Yeah, right?
1: I mean, like there's there's, you know, people have like uh sensitivities and stuff to yeah. certain senses and stuff, but yeah, to think that you could channel that into freaking diagnosing diseases and stuff. It's crazy. It's
0: insane. And I also, I want to know, like, is there something going on in her, in her brain that made her, Yeah, like, right. does she just have a really big nose? Like, <laughs> why,
1: <laughs> why is she so? She didn't have a big nose. Like, There's a picture of her in that She article. just looks like
0: a normal lady. Yeah, she looks like a normal lady. Also, like, did, you know, I just wonder if, like, Oh, my mom had a really good sense of smell too. Like, is it genetic? Like, it's just fascinating. That's fascinating. They didn't, they
1: didn't touch on any of that stuff. That's now, I didn't, you know, I didn't read a gazillion articles on yeah. it. Like, I saw the one little Well, it just it.
0: happened. Like, yeah. that's crazy.
1: I, it is crazy. And then, so he's he's deceased now. Her husband is deceased. So once they realized that she had, that there was this link, possible link, they spent, like, the remainder of their time together just kind of, like, documenting their entire relationship together, like, kind of trying to, like, pinpoint everything. and. Yeah. Uh, he was like totally fixated on her. Like, stay with this. Don't stop.
0: You it's know, amazing. She's crazy. like a superhero. She's like a superhero. Ugh. Is Parkinson's the thing that um, uh, Michael J. Fox has? Mm-hmm. Okay, I couldn't remember which one, it, which horrible disease it was. Yeah. Um uh, Wow, that's really fascinating. It's
1: crazy. Just imagine just walking into that room and smelling that. God, stink. you guys
0: all stink. <laughs> you yeasty bunch of people. You guys, you guys smell like. Ugh. You smell like a stale beer. Okay. So I wanted to do just a quick, this is, I think this is, I don't normally do deep dives on this kind of thing, but I thought this was really cool. And I think it's, it's like a dying reference that people don't get anymore. So on March 21st, 1871, journalist Henry Morton Stanley departs on his expedition to locate famed explorer, Dr. David Livingston. So this is the origin you've probably heard like Dr. Livingston, I presume, it's like a very famous, like it's been spoofed and re- referenced a million times. And um, and I think nobody knows where it's from. So I just dug a little bit. Cause I remember in my, in an old textbook in high school, there was like a little shaded in box with like a little sub thing, like a picture and then a little like sub story. And um, it talked about this, but it was so short. It was probably like two paragraphs. And I just thought, oh, maybe I should mention that. And I started to read it. And it actually is kind of an interesting story So basically, Livingston, Dr. David Livingston, uh, he was a hero of his day, uh, an extremely popular Scottish doctor, missionary and anti-slavery crusader, which by the way, I don't think was mentioned in that damn blurb in my textbook. In 1865, Livingston set out on his latest adventure to find the source of the Nile River, and in so doing, used that knowledge to gain prominence and influence, to quote, remedy an immense evil. Basically, Livingston was adamant that if if we could map Africa's rivers, this would allow Afri- the African continent to have legitimate trade, and it would end what he called was the greatest evil on earth, which is slavery. So, he he was so he in that sense he was a traditional colonialist because he thought that civilization through empire was a good thing, and it would force the world to see the African people with the dignity that, that they deserved. That's basically his whole so you know we now have we don't have that like white man's burden view of colonialism anymore but i will say there's something more admirable about as abolitionist and seeking a- the abolition of slavery through colonization i mean at least his intentions were good so the expedition to f- to find the source of the nile was supposed to take 2 years it went terribly awry uh, livingston nearly died of dysentery and malaria and it was actually rescued ironically by arab slave traders It was in his uh, travels with them to safety that he saw firsthand the brutality of the slave trade. He watched an entire village massacred by slave traders and was so distraught by this that he decided that he would give up his hunt for the source of the Nile. Livingston was gone for six years when Henry Morton Stanley was hired by a newspaper to find him. That newspaper was the New York Herald. Uh, It took Stanley a grueling eight months, but he found Livingston ill but alive in a village on the banks of Lake Tanganyika, he stood out with his white skin and his white beard and despite wanting to run up and hug Livingston after his terrible journey he remembered that Livingston was a very reserved Scotsman and he maintained his decorum and he stepped forward and put out his hand and said "Dr Livingston I presume." <laughs> so that that's we don't even know if that's true it could have just been embellishment for the for the article that that you know this was like a big breaking story or whatever so like if you, th- like I said, this is referenced a gazillion times. You watch an old movie, you'll see references to it. And you may not know what it's from. If you go to Disneyland or Disney World and you get a Dole Whip, there's a sign above the Dole Whip like stand that says Dole Whip, I presume, and that's a reference to, to to Stanley and Livingston because it's like, oh, you're in the tropics and you're getting this Dole Whip. You know what I mean? It's sort of mm-hmm. like a similar reference to. So Livingston um, refused to go back to England with Stanley, and he died 18 months later, and over 80 people joined the expedition to deliver Livingston's body back to England. And this was not easy. I mean he was like he was not in a you know, near a port or anything like that. So uh, Henry Morton Stanley, uh, I want to say, is not the hero of the story. He went on to help King Leopold III of Belgium secure the Belgian Congo, basically enabling one of the worst humans on earth. And this ruins Stanley's reputation. So I don't, like, just a trigger warning, anyone listening who wants to, like, find out why King Leopold is such a horrible human, he's literally like Hitler before Hitler. So he is was a genocidal maniac, and what he did to the Congo is not for the faint of heart. Like, so be- know that going in before you read it, because the guy, I mean, if there's a hell, he's burning there, total piece of shit. So when uh, and Stanley helped him, so fuck Stanley. anyway, so Stanley <laughs> <laughs> when Stanley died, his reputation was trashed, and he was refused burial in Westminster Abbey, which he would have been um, he was he like served office and shit after he he left Africa and he wasn't allowed to be buried in Westminster Abbey with the west, rest of the other like, you know, um, what are they called lords and whatever. So meanwhile, uh, Livingston is buried in he is buried in the Abbey. And in keeping with local African custom, Livingston's heart was removed before he was transported out of Africa, and it's buried under a tree uh, near where he died. I just th- I just think Livingston is such an interesting character because he wasn't actually all that accomplished. He wasn't very good at anything. You know, he he, okay, he successfully mapped a few, like, rivers in Africa. Okay, we'll give him that and his writings he he wrote copious diaries and things like that and they were used by abolitionists because he documented slavery and the slave trade and that was important so they that was useful but I mean he was a terrible missionary I don't think he converted one person um, he didn't actually free any slaves he got lost and almost died on his expedition he had like, to be he had to be rescued by slave traders like <laughs> <his, his> sw- <laughs> he had to be rescued by his sworn enemy but uh, and he was kind of just a crotchety old fart but you know,
1: so he's gone for all those years because he's lost, or because he just didn't feel like coming yeah, back.
0: Yeah, he got lost. He basically got lost and like settled by this lake in Africa. He, could, he didn't have the money or the, or the supplies to get out, and he was so traumatized at seeing the, the massacre of that village that he was like, "Fuck this! I'm just going to stay here and do my research and write my diaries." And he was very beloved. And you know, all these nations in Africa, they have taken down colonial statues. They have changed the name from these like shitty imperialist names for their countries and their cities back to african names and but there's still at least two cities named after livingston his statue is still in place there's a memorial still in place because i think that he is seen as an ally even though he wasn't very good at what he did he's still considered an he literally died trying to end slavery so um i don't know i think he's he's you know I think it sounds like a cool story. There is a movie called Stanley and Livingston starring uh, Spencer Tracy. I never saw it. I have a feeling it makes Stanley out to be much better than he is. He clearly mm-hmm. was a piece of shit. You'd think that you rescue and get to know an, an abolitionist. You probably wouldn't help yeah. did, enable did you slavery.
1: Your, uh, your, your
0: view on yeah. things, obviously. Not. Money talks for some people. Anyway. So anyway, that's uh, that's Stanley and Livingston. and So that was March 21st. I don't have anything until March 24th mm. or March 25th, actually.
1: Alcatraz in, uh, closed in 1963 on March 21st.
0: Oh, did you ever, did you ever tour Alcatraz? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. It's really Was cool. Was it awesome? Yeah, Weird? it's cool. It's cool. The weirdest thing is I remember they take, I don't know if they still do this. Like, I just need to remind everyone that we're a hundred and I probably went in like 84 with my grandpa. Oh, so you were really young. That probably blew your mind. Yeah. It's crazy. And I remember um, they take you into like the solitary confinement cell and they turn the lights off and it is the darkest dark I have ever seen in my, like, you, you don't see it. You can't see your hand in front of your face. It's like absolute pitch black. They do it for like 10 seconds and it's like so creepy. Oh God. Yeah. I don't know if they still do that, but yeah, it's cool. It's weird. It's like, and you know, yeah, I always thought that would be a cool, a cool
1: place to see, but yeah, I mean, it, I mean, it's it makes complete sense that it's not still open. <laughs> they yeah, couldn't, yeah. Could it maintain that? Um, uh, the expense of keeping that place
0: open. Have you been it to? Have you ever open. been to San Francisco? Mm-mm. Okay, so Mm-mm. if you ever do that, take the kids there or whatever. They have tours and shit. It's like a national monument or whatever. I don't even know. It's a Historic monument.
1: But I mean, it was open for 29 years, which is a pretty good chunk of time.
0: Yeah. And those two guys were never found. The guy was the right. two or three guys that like swam, like put the dummies in their cell and then escaped. Uh huh. Which I love that movie, Escape from Alcatraz. I think that movie's so freaking I don't great. think what, I saw that. Clint Eastwood?
1: Yeah. I don't think I saw that. I remember seeing that as a kid and literally having nightmares about that because of uh, they made like paper mache.
0: That's right. And see. they're terrifying.
1: Yeah, and they were so creepy and I remember think oh, it freaked me out so bad when I was little, but you can that, look up um, the real
0: pictures of those. They are st- really creepy. Yes, yeah, so they creep
1: me out in the book. I mean in the movie.
0: Yeah. I mean I think I saw the Birdman of Alcatraz. Did you ever see that movie? The Birdman of Alcatraz? Who was in that one? That's um it's old, I think. It's like Yeah, but who who started in that one?
1: Birdman of Alcatraz. Uh
0: nineteen sixty two. Burt Lancaster. Ah. Oh wow. Carl Malden. Burt Lancaster, Thelma Ritter. I love her. Remember from Rear Window? Telly Savalas. Telly Savalas. That was my best Phil Hartman.
1: That was pretty good. <laughs>
0: escape from Alcatraz It's good. Okay, I'll check that one out. I just have the Triangle Shirtwaist Fire kills 100, 146 people, mostly teenaged immigrant girls. Ugh, on March I remember when I first heard
1: about that. It was Terrible. just horrifying. I can't even imagine the fear that those yeah. people have. It reminded me of like, because I think I heard about it after nine eleven and like being like yeah. trapped in that kind of like you cannot get down, you cannot get out. I might as well just jump. Kind yeah, of. well, like, that's
0: exactly what happened. Yeah, ugh. it's like, so it was uh, the factory was a sweatshop on the top three floors of a ten story building, and this it this had started in a rag bin and spread quickly thanks to numerous safety violations. The fire hose was disintegrated and rusted shut. One of the two stairways, the one the exit was locked to prevent theft from workers. And the other one, so people ran down the stairway and it was fucking locked and they were trapped in the stairway. Ugh. And then the other one, this, the opening, the door opened inward. So they were running down and you know, which now is illegal. You have to have a panic bar and it happens to, open, has to open out. Only one of the four elevators was working and it could only carry 12 people at a time. Um, so there were 600 people working in the factory that day. Uh, so women jumped off the roof or down the elevator shaft to their deaths, or were burned alive in the stairwell. There were so many bodies on the sidewalk from the jumpers that the fire department's hoses were disabled. It was abysmal. So awful. Ugh, the so factory good. and the fact. Though here's the thing: the factory owners were Max Blank and Isaac Harris. Big fucking surprise. Uh, they got they got away with it. They were put yeah, on right. trial and they they got away with it. They had a history of underpaying their workers, of union busting, and of safe, um, safety violations, and of starting fires that were probably to collect insurance. And the most disappointing thing about these two assholes is that they were Jewish immigrants, when most of their workers were young Jewish immigrants. You'd think that, uh-huh. like, they worked their way up and like became um, very successful businessmen. You'd think that they would—they've been there. They've been that poor immigrant. You think they would be more? I mean, they're like—it's so sad. So they were acquitted at trial. But the tragedy did lead to, you know, very important labor laws, like safety laws, reforms, workplace reforms, safety reforms. So, that's good.
1: Ugh, just a shitty way to die, man. That was terrible.
0: No, I mean, I would jump if I if those were my options. Jesus Christ. March 26th is the Heaven's Gate. Cold, cult numbers are found dead. March 26, 1997. Do you remember that, when that happened? In, like, San Diego? That's yeah, the one they- where the, they're wearing sneakers. They were wearing sneakers because they were gonna catch a comet. Oh right, that's right, that's right. So weird. They were all wearing matching sneakers, like high top sneakers, and they had a sheet sheet over them. This is kind of shit. Like if I put this in a movie, people people would be like, "This is dumb. This doesn't," you know. But it really, really fucking happened. <laughs> God. So weird. So I didn't deep dive that because, like, I don't know. It was uh, maybe next Wait, time. Wait, what? But. What? What date was that? That was um, March 26th, and it was oh. 1997.
1: I wrote down March 24th. And I might be wrong about this, but when I saw it in 1997, the English pa- the English Patient won Best Picture.
0: Didn't you like that movie? I did. I love that movie. I know you Ugh. gave me shit for it. I love the English Patient. I know you're like Elaine on Seinfeld. <laughs> she hates the English Patient. Remember? <laughs> Just <I>, die <tired> already. <laughs> but I,
1: when I saw it, I was like, I remember. Like I remember sitting at my desk and you telling me you liked that movie, and I I really really questioned our relationship. <laughs>
0: and you're like I can't be friends with this asshole she liked the English patient oh yeah I get totally. it it's slow that's for sure but totally. you think yeah Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah that's the movie everyone loves to hate <laughs> yeah so I don't have anything until March 29th and that's just another weird ass thing in history uh President Ronald Reagan is shot by John Hinckley Jr who was yeah, trying no, to impress no. Jodie Foster which I still to this I think that is so weird
1: it's so weird.
0: Yeah. It's like weird. the weirdest like, motive ever.
1: And then just imagine being Jodie Foster, like knowing that guy did that, like that to have some lunatic actually do that for you. Yeah. It's crazy.
0: So weird. Um, he, that there's a movie called the day Reagan was shot and it is, it outlines like all the weird ass shit that went down and how disorganized the country was for like eight hours while they scrambled, you know, figure out if he was going to make it. And it's, mind-blowing mind-blowing what went on like a pissing contest between the secret service and the fbi i mean it's just so weird so stupid um yeah it's crazy, crazy. It, so it's called the day reagan was shot it's a really good movie it's really weird yeah all i got is is a few rec room things but not even a lot
1: yeah i actually have things to contribute for the rec room.
0: awesome you want to start
1: yeah sure i didn't go to work yesterday because i was sick as a dog mm-hmm. so i took it upon myself to watch deep water with ben affleck i don't know that one well it got delayed in like its release and you know i've heard that it there was a possibility of it being a steaming pile of shit but it they i kept reading that it was like you know a a callback to like erotic thrillers like fatal attraction or like um basic instinct and stuff so i was like sign me up i love those fucking movies (sighs) it was so bad and so stupid Two and a half hours of my life, I'll never get back. So the the so it's about this dude who's got married to this wife who just fucks everybody in town. But like openly, <sighs> like she brings like her boyfriends to parties. And the parties these people have are so outlandish and ridiculous. Like I I've never been to a party like that in my entire life. But they're they're rich and well to do and stuff. But like it's crazy. But it's terrible. And it was just a waste of time. So I watched that. Um, but I was like, I I text my brother and my sister after I saw it, and I was like, The erotic thriller is dead. Uh. He is no Michael Douglas. Uh. (laughs) It it was just not good at all. Um, Uh. And then I watched, uh, we watched the um, Adam project on Netflix with Ryan Reynolds, the the time travel one. Oh,
0: I don't know that one. Is it good?
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, definitely a lot of like holes about like the time travel theory with it all, but it was definitely good. It was entertaining. Mark Ruffalo's in a Jennifer Garner. They play his parents. Adam, Ryan Reynolds is comes back in time to find his wife but he comes back to his and visits his 10-year-old self
0: oh they
1: got to play him was so amazing like he nailed ryan reynolds really like it was the perfect casting this i love that so it was a cute movie and it kind of had like um like a field of dreams kind of vibe at the end oh yeah i mean it's not gonna win any awards or anything but it was a cute movie and then what else did i watch oh i started watching uh that amy schumer show that's on a uh, oh yeah on hulu um life and beth did i get through the two episodes kind of slow and really sad oh because it's you know her life's kind of a mess and she deals with some kind of like tragedy so it's i think that's the whole sounds point like fleabag
0: of- did you see Fleabag? Oh, I love Fleabag. Yeah. reminds you Fleabag. Just I, you talking about it makes me think not as
1: Not as funny as Fleabag. Not as charming as Fleabag. Yeah, but I think that's the ends up being the whole, I mean, I'm only two episodes in, but I think that's the whole point. Like she's at rock bottom and it's just her trying yeah. to like reevaluate her life or something. We finally finished Succession. We caught up and finished the third season of Succession, which was awesome. And I can't believe I have to wait for, I'm not used to having to wait for something now, like waiting for the next yeah, season, yeah. Now, which sucks.
0: But that's it. What do you have so, um, oh, Daniel listened to our last episode and he was like, I think Lauren's parents watched the American version of the bridge,
1: the which American. was,
0: yeah, which was pretty popular. It was a remake of this because I said I was watching the Swedish right, Danish right, right. bridge. Like they probably watched the American one. Oh, maybe. Cause it was like a uh, famous people and it was very popular. It, it's Mexico and, um, and the United States and it's, so maybe they watched that one. I think it was a network show too. Oh, I'll ask them. Yeah. Yeah. I just knew that name sounded familiar or the premise too. So we are, we are on season four of that. There's four seasons total and we're hooked. We love it. It's really good. So it's like Scandinavian noir. It's very good. The only movie that, oh, when we're watching um, the second season, we just started the second season of Starstruck, Starstruck. Did you ever see that first one? It's very funny. It's a a British comedy. It's a girl from New Zealand who like has an act, kind of like a weird one-night stand with a guy that turns out to be very famous.
1: Mm-mm. I never heard of it.
0: And it's kind of like a goofy love story between, like, her and this famous guy. And it's very funny. The second season's a little bit slower, but it's it's good. Starstruck, it's called. The only movie we watched, we're really behind on movies, is the Amy Winehouse documentary, Amy, which is so sad. Oh, my God. I
1: feel like that came out a while ago, right? Yeah, that's
0: old. That's old, yeah.
1: I feel like I did see that, and it's so sad.
0: Like, I... I I already knew that her dad was like kind of an asshole like you know didn't wasn't really that helpful with her illness and everything but oh my god her fucking husband what a piece of shit Oh yeah totally he killed her and he's still and he's still being a, like a dirtbag like he's still just a dirt uh, He's it's just still so alive. sad <laughs> Yeah and he said he manages said, to still live and he said like mean stuff about her on the documentary like she's dead you asshole like I don't, like oh I just he's I just it made me so sad yeah just a that poor girl's life oh my god she was so talented and like i just uh, yeah so, another super, example it's very depressing yeah it's just a sad waste of talent yeah absolutely yeah that's all i have i didn't ha- don't have a lot still chipping away at my uh stephen king book but oh yeah you are still reading that yeah i'm so slow anyway so i guess that's it yeah it's good to see you it's good to see you thanks everyone for joining us it was fun as usual uh, if you haven't already done so, please take a moment to give us a rating and maybe a review. We'd really appreciate it. Uh, friendly reminder that you can email us with suggestions and feedback at oldschoolthepodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow us on Instagram at oldschoolthepodcast, which, yes, I added a the in there. I was able to change our Instagram handle, so it's now oldschoolthepodcast, so it matches our, our email. Yeah, so I guess we'll be back in a few weeks sounds good go to bed lauren i love your wood paneling by the way it's like a cabin in the woods
1: well you have a good uh good weekend and uh, i feel uh, better thank
0: you i'll talk to you soon okay bye. bye